This is the Diamond Hogs Podcast with Mason Choate and Robert Stewart. Welcome to the Diamond Hogs Podcast. I'm your host, Mason Choate, joined by the boys, Robert Stewart and Christian Cheatham. We got the whole gang with us today, previewing this weekend's series against Alabama, a good Alabama team that really had Arkansas's number last year. We're going to talk about them, look ahead to the weekend, talk about the midweek win over Omaha, which, I mean, shout out to Omaha, man. Like, last year, I could have played for Pine Bluff. I think this year, I could have played for Omaha. I think that I could have made Omaha's roster. I don't know if I would have made the travel roster, but I could at least, you know, be on the team. Can we all agree that I could have been on that team? Uh, You know, 213th in the RPI, there might be an argument to be made there. You know, we were were driving back from Baton Rouge last week, and we went through Pine Bluff, and I thought about you. That's that's very sweet of you, Robert, to think about me. Uh, Pine Bluff is just an awful town, by the way. Uh, I had I had my fair share of experience in Pine Bluff growing up a couple times, and let's just say it wasn't a great experience. Uh, not a great town. Anyways, let's not talk that. That's the max amount of time we need to talk about Pine Bluff, Arkansas, on the Diamond Hawks podcast. So, uh, Ben McLaughlin got on the mound. That was interesting. Made a really boring game somewhat interesting. Throwing gas too. I think on the broad on the TV because I wasn't at the stadium uh, the other day, but on the TV broadcast, I think they said it hit ninety five. Did they say anything different in the stadium? There's no way he threw ninety five. That's what I saw on TV. <laughs> the Maybe TV gun 90... is always hot. Yeah, that's true. Okay, but it looked good I... though, on TV. If you're watching, you're like, man, he's throwing gas. I definitely saw ninety one, but I I didn't really make a point of you know looking to see how consistent he was with it. I kept an eye on it. He was. On the fastball, he was sitting 91-92. So, I mean, like, for a dude who hasn't pitched since, like, last summer and he didn't really pitch, it's just like he threw against a couple guys, I think is what he was saying. Like, that's really good. Um, like, I thought he looked good. And the, the interesting thing was, is and we talked about this in, in the press box, was like, okay, well, it, is he still going to hit? Um, and, you know, it's, it's always weird with that situation. And Dave Van Horn said that he plans for Ben McLaughlin to – you know, still hit. I don't really know like how many opportunities he's going to get, but you know, it would be cool to have a two-way player like that. And we know that they like McLaughlin and they like his bat because he was in the lineup before he had his injury. Uh, it was like a knee injury and he had some kind of a minor procedure on it. Correct. He tore his meniscus and he had to get some of it shaved off or something like that. That always sounds so gnarly when they're like, they got to shave some, something off. Like, Ugh, I don't like that. I think that makes his outing. I mean, I know it was Omaha, but that makes his outing a little more impressive that he came back and he's on the mound throwing above 90. I mean, that's still, that's really yeah. cool. It, no, I agree. Like it's, you know, for your first, for your return to, to the field, for that to be w- what you did. And I mean, like, it's not like he got on the mound and, you know, he's throwing hard, but he got hit around. Like he went one, two, three, had a pair of strikeouts, I believe. 11 pitches, yeah. And that was his first time touching a baseball field in four and a half weeks. I mean, in, in live action, I mean. I'm sure. And his and his first time to pitch in like a live baseball game since what his freshman year of Juco ball, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. He threw he said he said he threw eight innings. I think it was like nine and something his freshman year of Juco ball. Right. And he tore he said he tore his UCL and had to get Tommy John. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, no, that that like I said, that I mean, Arkansas was up what thirteen to three 
after the bottom of the third. So it's like at that point we're like, okay, can the 10 run rule go into effect in the fourth inning? Like, do we, do we need for this to go on? Yeah. Uh, we, we were pushing for those WBC rules, Christian, the, the 15 run rule after five. That's where that was from. Cause I was texting somebody and I was like, I wish they would do the 15 after five. And then he, he's a buddy from my softball team. And he's like, you thinking about softball or something? And I was like, no, I, I saw that somewhere recently, and it was WBC. I for, totally forgot about that. Um, Let's see, a, a few more headlines from the midweek, because, I mean, a, aside from the McLaughlin thing, not a whole lot to talk about. But, uh, they batted around in, twice. Yeah, but, I mean, but going into it, we uh, it was kind of like a Ben Bybee prove-it game. Like, if, he, if Ben Bybee was to come out and throw, like, another four or five innings, give up a couple hits, maybe an earned run – then you're talking about, you know, could this guy potentially, you know, maybe get into that Sunday starter role that is still TBA, according to Dave Van Horn. So Hunter Hall on Friday, Will McIntyre Saturday, Sunday TBA. And I mean, like we were all kind of skeptical of it, but it's like if he did it again, if he comes out in the midweek, does it again, it's like, okay, well, this dude is for real. He came out. I mean, he looked okay. He gave up three earned runs on three hits in two innings. It it It's just like. He wasn't really commanding very well. It wasn't the Ben Bybee we've seen the past two weeks. I don't think, you know, he's going anywhere. He's probably going to remain your midweek starter, right? Like, I mean, I think that's what it's going to be. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, you know, clean first inning, one, two, three. That was nice, but he he just didn't have it after that. Innings two and three, he let the first two guys reach base via walk and a hit. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think with with the – outings that he's strung together he's probably earned himself at least another one so i wouldn't i wouldn't you know sweat too much about this one if if you're ben bybee yeah uh ben bybee who uh i guess fr- listens to the show according to robert you know you were just talking to ben bybee so that that was that was not what i was getting at <laughs> but okay <laughs> uh Let's see. Not not really much else. You know, we were thinking maybe we would see a couple more freshman arms. Uh, you did see Christian Fouch, Parker Coyle, Gage Wood got in there for a couple innings. All those guys look good, but like we said, Omaha not a great team. So, yeah, Gage Wood looked good. He was fun to watch. Um, and also, we can hit on that second inning. I was I was watching it and I was like, how many? We we scored five runs. Three of them were on walks. One I believe was on a hit batter. And then another was on a fielder's choice. So yeah. okay. it was a bad day for RBI hits. Yeah, Omaha was struggling. Uh, yeah, Omaha also had that one pitcher who just fell off the mound when he was throwing. Just straight up fell off the mound. That was crazy. That well, was one of, the, we'll, one of the most unfortunate box you'll ever see. Yeah. Was there three box, two, from Omaha? Uh, two, I think. Two? Okay, yeah. Like that – yeah, just a rough night on the mound for them. I mean – it's Omaha and they're facing the Razorbacks, so it's tough. But yeah, they yeah, they struggled. Also, one thing too, Omaha, the their facilities were the ones that the Razorbacks used during the College World Series last year. We got to we had to go see that. And that was that was pretty cool. They actually showed it on the broadcast as well. So they got some new facilities, they got some money coming in, but yeah, the, the team's struggling this year. Yeah. That, at least facing at least facing us. I don't know exactly how they're doing in their own division. Yeah. Well, that that was cool, but they play on a turf field, so that kind of you know, that I mean, if you it, you can you can have cool facilities, but if you play on a turf field, it's like okay, well that everything goes out the drain at Tennessee <laughs> what Bay. What are we doing? Yeah, at Tennessee Bay. By the way, 
uh, if you're listening to this on Friday, hopefully we are all rejoicing that Paul Skeens and your number one LSU Tigers took down Tennessee on Thursday night. Just carved them up. I I get into existence. I am hoping for it. I have a wonderful video that I'm going to quote tweet the Tennessee final score with. Uh, moving on from the laughing video that I have been posting, and I have a much better video that will be coming out. So stay tuned for that. And if if you're listening to this and Tennessee did lose and you didn't see the video, go check it out on Twitter at Chote Mason. Um, wait, why did I say? Oh, because Tennessee plays on a turf field. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I was wondering how I got to Tennessee. Okay. I have I have one other thing about the uh, midweek. So, um, not not Arkansas related, but for Ole Miss. So Ole Miss was playing Southern Miss at the Braves Double A facility. The game was called in, I believe, the third or fourth inning due to the field conditions being so poor. And I just I just wanted to note that this is Ole Miss's second game that was canceled due to, I believe, field conditions, right? And mm-hmm. so, and both times Ole Miss was losing. So now everybody on Twitter was like, oh, yeah, there, there goes Ole Miss again, Get you know, calling the game early because they're losing. <laughs> and I know, obviously, they, they were probably going to win both games. But the other one was against La Tech, which is a good, which is a good ball club. Here's here's my thing about that. I am okay with this one being ruled a no contest because it didn't reach the fifth inning. Therefore, it's not an official game. The first one that was messed up. We we I don't know. It that was wrong. Bad well, rule. here here's the thing about Ole Miss. Your defending national champion, Ole Miss Rebels. They're zero and six in conference play, as is Mississippi State. The state of Mississippi well, is zero and twelve in SEC play. Um. Fire Mike Bianco? Is that is that what we're going with again, Ole Miss fans? <laughs> I mean, certainly Lamonis, but yeah. um, I mean, geez. The thing the thing about Mississippi State, it's a little bit different than Ole Miss because Mississippi State is getting embarrassed. Like, just it's it's not really even a contest in most of their games. It's honestly sad to watch. And they're they're another year removed from their title, and they missed Hoover last year. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like they lost their ace to Tommy John surgery going into the season. No, Ole Miss they, did have that. Yeah, but yeah, no, I I talked about it during football season. I mean, Starkville, not a good college town. Um, I just honestly number fourteen in the SEC. Brandon Walker decided to come at me. Uh, that was crazy. It it was crazy, but you know. I mean, it is what it is when you have a crappy college town like Starkville where there's just straight up nothing. It's hard to be worse than Columbia, Missouri, guys. It's really hard to be worse than Columbia, Missouri, and Starkville is that. Uh, so, you know, it stinks if you're, a, if you're a Mississippi State fan, which I doubt any of them are listening to this podcast. But uh, it also, you know, Ole Miss 0-6. Christian, you texted me and you're like, Dickie Stevens could never? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. And I replied with, well, if it had been a Dickie Stevens, nobody would know because the game's not televised. <laughs> Robert, uh, did, he tell, did he tell you about that during the during the game? Uh-uh. Yeah, I, he got he was making me laugh, yeah. Because I, I was like, it's like just just put the game on TV. It's not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. But at least it's Dickie perfect. Stevens, they have a really good facility and they take care of their field as far as I know. No, they circling don't. back to Mississippi State for a minute. I, I do want to throw this out there. We when we went to cover that football game in the fall, we got one look at Duty Noble Field. It looks fantastic. 
I would encourage anybody who has the means to travel to that series in May to do so because you will see the Razorbacks beat up on the lowly, lowly Bulldogs. Yeah. In a, in a very cool ballpark. Yeah, if you want to say anything good about Starkville, I'll give them the dude. They can have that. That's pretty cool. Um, as far as if it's better than Baum Walker or not, I don't know yet. We'll find out. We plan on being there. So, uh, yeah, let's transition into Alabama, though. A team that Arkansas really struggled against at the end of last year. Not even struggled. Like, they got embarrassed a couple times. And it felt like Alabama had ended Arkansas' season. Like, this is this is it. Like, you're going you're gonna to lose the series to Alabama to close out the regular season, lose a game to them in the SEC tournament, and then you're just going to crap the bed in the NCAA tournament season over. Of course, we know that's not how it how it ended, but uh, still a good Alabama team that Dave Van Horn spoke very highly of, Robert. Yeah, um, I mean, this, this team, you know, I was thinking like two and four, ah, you know, not, not really anything impressive, um, just, just from the outside looking in, but then you dive into the numbers a little bit. They've got eight different qualified hitters hitting over 300. Um, that is, that is certainly noteworthy. Um, they've got a, they've got a, a pitcher, uh, I believe they're, they're Sunday guy. I mean, they haven't officially announced their rotation as of this moment, but, um, the, the guy who's scheduled to pitch on Sunday for them, Grayson hit, he's in the top 50, uh, MLB draft prospects. Um, they, I mean, let's see the, the batting average against tells me that, uh, the, the worst, the worst number in that category is 222. It belongs to their ace. Um, so it, opponents are kind of struggling to hit against, um, against these three pitchers that Alabama is going to throw this weekend. So, uh, it, it will be interesting to see how, uh, the Razorbacks respond to that. I would think that, uh, any team other than LSU is going to be a very, very welcome site for Arkansas this weekend. Yeah, that's the thing is like going into this Alabama series, uh, you know, I, we were talking to Dave Van Horn and he was like, you know, really good team. They've got a, you know, a top heavy lineup. Um, they're going to come in here, you know, trying to, you know, steal one on the road against Arkansas. And just in my mind, I'm like, I'm thinking of it and I'm like, well, it's Alabama, not LSU. Like it's just you're th- you're thinking back to last weekend against LSU, and you're like it can't get any worse than that. So that's I'm my mind is kind of messed up with that right now. And you know I just look at Alabama and I'm like you know it's 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 also still hard to think about Alabama as like a good baseball program, right? You you think about them as like bottom of the SEC, but last year they got you, and it seems like they're you know on they're still on the uptick, you know, this season, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's not a blue blood like the Arkansas, the LSU's, the, I would say the Mississippi's, but you know, you know what's going on with them this year. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we, we thought, you know, Auburn was going to present a challenge two weeks ago and realistically they didn't. Um, so I, I think, I think what you're about to see this weekend is probably a lot more uh, aligned with uh, the, the visiting Auburn Tigers than, you know, <laughs> going to see LSU or going to see Vanderbilt um, or welcoming Texas A&M or anything like that, you know? Yeah. So, but the thing about Alabama though, they got a good lineup, you know, their team average is 318. Uh, They have more home runs than Arkansas. They got a better team ERA than Arkansas. So kind of go through some of their top guys, Robert. Yeah, let's do that. Um, Just going down the list here, batting average, they've got a couple guys hitting 360. 
Uh, you'll recognize both of these names from last year if, if you watched that final series in that one game at Hoover. First baseman Drew Williamson leading the pack, 360. He's walked more times than he struck out. Eight home runs, I believe, is second on the team. Uh, he leads the squad with 28 RBI. OPS well over 1,000 there. Uh, looks like about 1150. Uh, and then Andrew Pinckney. Also hitting 360, also OPS above 1,000. He's got 10 ex extra base hits on the year. Um, and then, I mean, they got a couple more outfield, a couple more outfielders, Tommy Seidel and William Hammeter, both hitting over 345. OPS, again, over 1,000. Uh, and then Colby Shelton is another name to know. He's, you know, 329 being the sixth best average on the team is interesting. But he's slugging 776. I believe that's 11th in the in the conference got 11 home runs on the year that leads the tide 16 extra base hits and 24 rbis so um you know a lot of uh a lot of noteworthy numbers top to bottom in this lineup and colby's a freshman too right is he really i haven't looked that far into it i believe he is a freshman so he's tearing it up he's on like a Caden wallace trajectory right now um How about that another guy that i wanted to highlight real quick was Caden rose He's hitting under 300 now, but last year he had a well well above 300. He gets on base. Right now he's got 15 walks oh, and then only 13 strikeouts. So he's another guy that they're going to have to look out for that he could easily have like a big weekend for them. He's a big on base guy. Doesn't hit a lot of homers, but he's big on base. And uh, like I said, last year he had a really good year. Is Rose the guy – I'm I'm trying to go through – I'm trying to find this real quick while we're talking. I should have looked at it before we recorded. Is Rose the guy that really dominated in this series in Tuscaloosa last year? They had a dude that I think was a true freshman last year that just did really well against Arkansas. I can't. Oh, it was Rose because he was he was hitting leadoff. Yeah. Yeah. Rose did really well against Arkansas last year. And and I recall that he's pretty fast too. Like he he probably leads them in stolen bases this year. Yeah, seven for eight. Seven on eight attempts. Yeah, um, I I can't remember if he was in the in the qualified hitters or just like low down. But anyway, I mean, he's bottom line is they've got four really good outfielders and they've you know, it's you're you're gonna see probably all four of them this weekend. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking at it. Rose went three for four in the in the opener. That was actually the game that Arkansas won though. That McIntyre started. Uh, last year right. in the series at Tuscaloosa, but Rose went three for four in that one, and then he didn't have a hit on Saturday. Had one hit on Sunday when Alabama beat Arkansas eighteen to five. Uh, also worth mentioning, Dominic Thomas still a catcher for Alabama, former Hog. Um, another guy that you think about. I just, you know, he's playing for Alabama. Yeah, he's starting for Alabama. The more I think about it, like he probably wouldn't have been playing at Arkansas, you know, because Michael Turner came in last year. And even this year, like, I still, like, Thomas probably wouldn't be an everyday catcher at Arkansas this year. Not a, not an everyday catcher, but fans might like him a little more than they than they like the the duo they have. Well, the thing, the thing about it is, is, like, you know, DVH is always going to go for defense. And if memory serves, Thomas was not the greatest defensive catcher. And I still don't I think don't... he is. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I remember watching him what twenty fall of twenty one, maybe. I, I don't. I don't think he was. I don't think he was the guy. 
I watched him a little bit last year with Alabama, and he struggled defensively too. Like, I mean, dude can't throw it down to third base. Christian, what were you going to say? No, that's funny. I was just going to say it's just hard to replicate the the catchers that we've had or the, the, that Arkansas has had the last few years anyway. So no matter who was catching this year, it was going to be very, very hard to make to meet those uh, expectations. Yeah, no, I agree. It, I mean, it, it is. You, when you have uh, a Grant Cook, a Casey Opitz, and then a Michael Turner, you know, what are you supposed to do as a catcher? And it, it's tough for Arkansas, especially given the fact that they're trying to have two guys that both of them aren't – I mean, can we say it? They're not really meeting expectations. And I don't even know what the expectation was, but if you're if you're basing it off of the guys that have been at catcher, those are really lofty expectations. I think – Right, I, I mean, for – for uh, for your your number one catcher in terms of batting average to be just over two hundred, that that can't be meeting expectations. And and like I know, like I remember we were we were writing stories last year about Michael Turner's got huge shoes to fill with, with you know Casey Opus leaving. Somehow those shoes got even bigger with Turner leaving. It feels. Yeah, and that was just because he had so many big hits last year too, and so like the the offensive production out of the catching position this year is not what it was. Uh, last year so that's just another thing to add to it yeah that was a big thing with Turner was I mean he was just an incredible hitter the way that he could just like slap it opposite field was very impressive and then he really came on as a defensive catcher specifically in the postseason like I thought that he did really well uh thinking back to that Oklahoma State uh regional in Stillwater I I mean that was his best weekend of the of the season and we all know why because of the the whole uh rental player stupid ass thing that went on with a, a radio host but you know shout out michael turner friend of the podcast um so what else with alabama though i mean is there you talked about the pitchers robert what else you got yeah we can dive into the pitchers a little bit more i talked about batting averages against but um ben hess is is the name of their ace on friday he leads them with 32 and a third innings uh 3.34 era his whip is under one just like his Saturday counterpart, Luke Holman. He's also right-handed, also sub one whip. Uh, he's got a 2.25 ERA in 24 innings. Um, they're both striking out 12 batters per nine innings. Uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good and respectable strikeout to walk ratios as well. Uh, 44 to six for Hess. That's almost, uh, or that's more than seven to one as far as the strikeout to walk ratio. And then four to one for Luke Holman on Saturday. And then Grayson hit was the uh, the top 50 draft prospect I was talking about. I don't know how updated this list is. I can't find a date on MLB.com. But for what it's worth, uh, Dolander still sits at number two and Skeens at number four, uh, which after watching Skeens last weekend, I think Skeens has got to be the number two guy. So um, maybe this was just a preseason deal. But anyway, Grayson hit. Scouting report on him is uh, he had a like a six-point ERA in his first two years at Alabama. Uh, was working sort of 90, 92, peaked at 96 with a fastball. Um, but apparently the scouts really liked what they saw in in the fall from hit. Um, 93, 97 with improved carry, it says. Uh, he's got an upper 80s cutter, quickly became his second, his best secondary pitch, solid mid-80s slider that he can land for strikes and a mid-70s curveball. So it sounds like he's got a really good arsenal um, that that the Hogs could be up against on Sunday. Uh, it says he doesn't utilize his changeup very often, too firm, upper 80s, gets pounded when he doesn't locate it in the bottom of the zone. So perhaps perhaps a weakness. We shall see. Um, 
But again, I mean, it's pitching that's not on the number one team in the country. So I, I would think it's got to be a welcome site for, for, for Arkansas hitters. And really, you know, just, just string those hits together. They, they left a lot of runners on base last week. Uh, if they can, if they cannot do that this week, then, you know, <laughs> easy for me to say, right. But uh, they, they've got that propensity for the beginning. They need to return to it uh, against the tide. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I've always said if you score more runs than the opponent, you'll probably win the game. So that is usually how it goes. So that's I would I would probably do that if I were Arkansas. That's a saying that I live by in my daily life. Hey, you score more runs, you're probably going to win the day. So uh, potential weather. You know, I'm looking at the forecast Friday looks like it's going to be a tough day weather wise. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it shows that it's supposed to rain in the morning. Um, but by the time the game rolls around, they should be fine because it's 6.30 first pitch, but it is supposed to be windy. Uh, and David Horn kind of hit on that a little bit. Saturday looks fine. Sunday, maybe, you know, a little weird. Uh, they should be able to get all three games in on at the normal times, I hope. So uh, just something to, to keep in the back of your head, potential weather, you know, playing around it if you're going to be out tailgating because it is baseball season now, guys. It's baseball season. Basketball out of the way. It is portal season for basketball, which is quite unfortunate. But I was telling my wife because she very much hated football portal season. And, you know, to be quite honest, I hated it as well. It was awful. Um, Basketball portal season is a little bit better because there's not like 100 plus players on the roster. There's only, what, 13, 14. So, um that is better. Anyways, this is a baseball podcast. It's opening day, by the way. We're recording this on Thursday. Christian and I have our hats on. Royals, go Royals. They're going to suck again this year. Let's go. Uh, Zach Grinky back for his, like, 40th season in, in the major leagues, and he's the ace. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he is our ace. I'm so excited. Um, Brady Singer, going to have a good year. A guy that Arkansas got to in the College World Series. Remember that. Always remember. Never forget. Uh, Christian got the Boston Red Sox hat on, huh? Oh yeah, my socks. They got they got some good prospects to look out for uh, with with Tristan Cassis and uh, Masataka Yoshida, but um, I don't know. It's gonna be rough. That AL East is tough. They got last place last year in the AL East, so we'll see how they do this year. I'm optimistic uh, though. Robert is uh, is Matt Cronin gonna get called up this year? I was going to say two things I'm looking forward to as a Nationals fan this year. Number one, the MLB debut of Matt Cronin. I think it's got to happen at some point. Um, it seems that pitcher injuries are just more and more prevalent these days. And, I, I mean, I feel like he's sort of done his time in, in, in the minors, you know. Um, he he drew all those uh, comparisons to Sean Doolittle when, uh, when, he was, when he was still at Arkansas and Sean Doolittle's back in the Nationals bullpen. I think they're they're getting along. I think they like each other. They they understand the comparisons, and you know it. It feels like you could always use another left-handed reliever. So, I I think it's only a matter of time before we see Matt Cronin in the show. And the second thing I'm looking forward to as a Nationals fan is the MLB draft when they draft Paul Skeens second overall. Mm. Can't wait. Is Evan Lee still with the Nationals? He is. Um, I saw that he was reassigned to minor league camp. Um before Matt Cronin was actually, I don't remember if Cronin was at all, but um, 
yeah, he's he's still within the organization. Okay. But you may see you may see Cronin before Lee uh in, in the show this season. Did uh Robert, did you see if uh, Michael Chavis made the big league roster? Do you know who that is? Um I am familiar with the name. I have not checked the opening day okay. roster. Yeah, he's like a he was a former like first round Red Sox draft pick. So I kind of still follow him to see how he's doing. He struggled towards the end of his time with the Red Sox. So I'm just hoping he gets another shot somewhere. Gotcha. I have I do have a couple questions about the Nationals though, Robert. Um they had no they had some guys that I thought were like big time names that play for them, but I don't see them on the roster and I'm looking at it right now. I I think one of them was Turner. There was maybe a Soto in there. American uh, hero Trey Turner. I think there was a maybe a, a Scherzer, you know, at one point. There was a guy Schwarber. He hit a lot of home runs. Is he still yeah. on the team? Uh no. How did they hang on to Patrick Corbin? I don't understand. Like, man, they that guy, they did not let him get away, but everybody else is gone. Well, they they <laughs> the, the one thing they they are not shy about doing is signing pitching. And so you get a you get a six-year, $140 million deal for deal for Patrick Corbin. And I mean that that turned out to be selling your soul because he was very good in 2019 when they won the title, but he's been awful since then. So one could make the argument that. He he was worth 140 million dollars in 2019, but uh, the unfortunate thing is they didn't pay him all that money that season, and so they're still paying him a lot of money per season after that. By the way, I was uh, so I'm playing fantasy baseball this year. Hashtag Seamhead Express. Excited about that. Uh, I was looking for you know a, a potential opening day starter to pick up. Patrick Corbin was one of them. Uh, I was looking at his stats. He went seven and ten last year. That was his record. Uh, had a 4.93 ERA, a 1.46 WHIP, uh, and they're projecting him to do even worse this year. They're projecting him to go six and 19 with a 6.31 ERA and a 1.7 WHIP. That's awful, bro. Uh, I was about to say, how do you ever win seven last year? It's a miracle. That is that's terrible when you do that bad, and they're projecting you to do even worse. Robert, okay, so speaking of fantasy baseball, me and Mace are in the same league. That and would be Mason guy, and I learn proper grammar, Christian. Hey, Mason and I were, I didn't go to journalism school like you guys. Mason and I were in the same uh, league, but so towards the end of the draft, we're at an auction draft. So you run out of money towards the end of the draft or like funds to like draft people. Everyone that I bid on, I have no money. So the only way I get them is if no one else wants them. Literally like five picks in a row. Mason's like, oh, that guy looks good. He bids, you know, one extra dollar and just steals them from me. And then I was talking to him later, and he's like, yeah, whenever you pick those guys, I was just like, oh, that guy looks good. I want him. I'm like, do your own research, Mason. I didn't even know it was you, but, like, when they <laughs> popped up, it was like, that you know, that guy sounds interesting. I would like to have him on my team. <laughs> uh, really, there, there's only, like, three guys that I really wanted. Um, Andrew Benintendi, got him. Last year, my team name was the Benny Baseballs. We sucked. We were awful. My team was awful. Just horrible. Uh, I wanted Vinny Pascantino, got him, hashtag Royals, uh, and MJ Melendez, I got him as well, hashtag Royals. I wanted Brady Singer, but they bid him up way too high. He wasn't worth it. Um, okay, let's get to bold predictions for Arkansas, though. Um, Arkansas, Alabama, bold predictions. Robert. Bold prediction, I will say nine total bases from Kendall Diggs this weekend. That's, like, hyper-specific, but... I'm confident that it will occur. Uh, let me let me tell you why. Kendall Diggs, he first of all in midweek was three for three. By the way, 
three singles, walked, drove in two runs, and scored three. Uh, but this month, Kendall Diggs, let me let me pull up the slash line here. In 50 at-bats, he's hitting 380, getting on base at a 51.5% clip, and he's slugging 820. Um, bottom line is Kendall Diggs has been really good uh, this month. I expect that to continue. feel like he hasn't really gotten a lot of attention because, you know, Jared Wagner is crushing the bombs and um, Hunter Holland and Hagen Smith are throwing their, throwing their butts off. And I, I, I'm a big, big Kendall Diggs guy. I, I don't remember if I said this on the last episode or not, but it was, it was amazing to me that there was really any other option at DH to start the year. Um, the guy gets hits, the guy gets on base. He's, he's a very good baseball player. Nine total bases, Kendall Diggs, bold prediction. Uh, okay. Shout out. Uh, Daddy Diggs. Are we going to call him that? No, we're not going to do if, that. Uh, hey, listen, if if the official Arkansas baseball account will will call him Daddy Diggs on Twitter. Well, here's seems... the thing. We, we understand what the official Arkansas baseball Twitter happenings. And I'm just going to say, like, to us, it's like they have the check mark, but is it really that official? You know, like. That's true. He he told us that he just wanted to stir up discourse with that. Oh yeah, that was that was great. They did one when John Bolton, uh, when John Bolton knocked in a pair of runs on Tuesday, and they said, "Bring it on home, John B." That was, was great. I was gonna say that that was really funny. I've been thinking about that for a couple of weeks. I was like, they gotta bring this up eventually, but I couldn't think of like the phrase that because I don't watch the show, but Victoria does, so I hear it. I've heard of John B. Like I know who he is, but. Yeah, I was thinking eventually they're going to incorporate that into his nickname. I definitely watched all of Outer Banks, and when I saw that, I was like, this is the greatest thing that you guys have ever tweeted. It was wonderful. Except for when they tweeted that Zach, Bre- Zach Gregory just gets on base. That was great. I appreciated that. It spreads. Um, It does spread. They haven't done it with Josenberger yet. But, uh, okay, my bold prediction for the weekend, I'm going to say – I'm going to say Caleb Cowley hits a home run. Is that is that too not bold? Um, I the way that he's not really getting in the lineup, I think it's I think it's fair to to call it bold because we have no idea if he's going to start. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Kelly did a home run. Christian, what's your bold prediction for the weekend? My bold prediction is going to be a bounce back. Good start from Cody Adcock. I don't know when he's going this weekend. It could be Friday, Sunday. Um, it's hard. I mean, he faced LSU, which is obviously the best team in the nation. So that's that was a he got roughed up there. But I think he'll have a good start. Maybe the best start of the weekend, as far as statistically. I that's my bold prediction. That's what this that's what this is. So that's what I'm doing right there. That was very bold to say that Cody <laughs> Adcock who potentially might not even start this weekend, is going to have the best start of the weekend. <laughs> so if, if you're talking bold – excuse me. If you're talking bold predictions, that is very bold, Christian. Can, can we start issuing boldness scores? Like, that probably takes the cake of the three we just issued. Yeah, <laughs> probably. That's a 9 out of 10 bold score right there. Well, here's the thing, though. Christian's predictions are almost always right. That's the weird thing about it. He He picked Arkansas to win game one last weekend – Against Paul Skeens and LSU, and Robert and I were sitting over here like, this dude is a freaking idiot. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't – yeah, that was 
I was feeling super confident that we would definitely get two out of three on, on, on the weekend after that win. And I was texting Mason. I was like, hey, I was right. You know, they technically did get to Skeens. He gave up one run and ended up, we ended up winning the ball game. So in, yeah, was... in hindsight, it wasn't that crazy because um, <laughs> like I hadn't looked at the splits, the left, right splits by the time we recorded that podcast, but LSU can't really hit lefties with the same same ability that they hit righties. And if you're going to throw the combination of, of Hunter Holland and Hagen Smith, that's a winning recipe. All you got to do is score on Paul Skeens. So talking about um, oh, what I was going to say is, Robert, so you're you're admitting that you're not prepared. You did not come prepared to the podcast last week. That uh, that was that was one thing that uh, that I failed, uh, failed to, to bring up, and, right. you know. You're in timeout for a minute. This is this is the Diamond Hawks podcast with Mason Choate and Christian Cheatham. Uh, let's let's go with the weekend predictions, Christian. Um, I'm going to say Arkansas sweeps. I I feel confident saying that they're going to be at home. You know, bounce back from playing the best team in the nation. Also, a little bit more to this one because for the guys, the very few guys who were on the team last year that played against this Alabama team, there's a little bit of bad blood there. You know. This team embarrassed you. They they really embarrassed you. Uh, come on out, get a sweep, get a dominant sweep. I'm going to say Arkansas sweeps. Christian, what about you? I'm going to say it's going to be a sweep as well, but it'll be a cl- close series. I think Alabama, although they have struggled lately, I think they lost two out of three of their last SEC matchups um, versus Kentucky and versus Florida. But the games were relatively close. So I think Alabama will be able to keep the games close, but I think Arkansas will still come out with the sweep. And like you said, yeah, with, Al- with Alabama kind of embarrassing them last year, I think they're going to come ready. But I think LSU is definitely on their mind now. I mean, hopefully they've turned the ch- turned the page and moved on, but they, they, they don't want that to happen again two weekends in a row. So I think they're going to come out hot and um, they'll, have a, they'll have a good convincing series win, but it won't be like – they're not going to be blowing out Alabama. I think that the the series hinges on well, not the series, but the sweep or or two out of three that hinges on Will McIntyre. Can Will McIntyre rebound from a tough outing? You know, he's not facing the best lineup in the country anymore, so he's got that going for him, which is nice. Um, but as we said earlier, Alabama's got eight guys to hit in 300. I mean, there's not really a break in this Crimson Tide lineup. So um, you'd really like to see uh, the the script, uh, you know, go ahead and get rolling along with this Golden Spikes thing because, yikes, it's, it's not looking good right now. Um, so I will say sweep, but don't be surprised if it's two out of three in case Will McIntyre doesn't put it all together again. Yeah. I hate to admit it, I don't think Will McIntyre is going to win the Golden Spikes, guys. I just, I think, I think we got a little ahead of ourselves, and you know, maybe we need to apologize to Will. Maybe we gave him too many expectations going into this season. Maybe that's on us. Um, but maybe we should take a moment of silence for his Golden Spikes campaign dying. Okay. Um, another thing I was going to mention, we talked about, we were going to bet a future for one team to win the national championship as a podcast. And we said we were going to do it at the start of sec play and we never did. 
So we need to do this. It can't be LSU. That's the only team that I'm ruling out. And Arkansas, of course. We can't bet on Arkansas. Uh, we have to bet on one team, and we're going to decide it right now. Right now. So off the top of your head, uh, I don't know how much college baseball you guys have watched. I've kind of kept up with it. Who who are we picking? I've got a couple teams in mind that I like. You know, you know who might be interesting is um, South Carolina. Yeah, I think they're six and zero in conference. That's what I was going to say. They are six and zero. Um, I like South Carolina. I like South Carolina. Another team I like is Wake Forest. Um, Wake Forest. I do. Mm-hmm. I do want to just bet on Wake Forest so we can just say that we have a future on Wake Forest like that. That would be fun. Um, I'm trying to pull up the DraftKings odds right now. Mm. We'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to get uh, Chris Lanzilli to come join us again and discuss that as a Wake Forest transfer. Yeah, no, that would be good. Um, I'm looking for current future. Oh, here we go. DraftKings college baseball betting odds and lines futures. So LSU right now is the betting favorite. Uh, wow, no way. Plus five hundred. Florida, another interesting team. Florida's that's really true. Good. Florida is really good. They're at plus twelve hundred. Let's see what else looks juicy on here. TCU plus six thousand. If we could bet on TCU to make it to Omaha, I would probably bet that they were really impressive when we watched them. And I know it was the first weekend of the of the season, but Kentucky plus twenty thousand. Kentucky's been playing good baseball. I think they're gonna die off though. Um, I was going to mention Stanford, but I think we all know kind of how that story is going to end. It always ends pretty uh, abruptly in the either in the regional supers or college world series. They just kind of always underperform when the lights are bright. So they're always a good ball club, but I don't know. I don't think they'd win at all. Yeah, they're at plus two thousand. South Carolina is at plus twenty five hundred. Um, South okay. Carolina has the younger brother of Tristan Cassis, Gavin Cassis, on their team. And he has been raking. He hits home runs like it feels like every game. Okay, so let's narrow it down to three teams, and then we'll have we'll have people vote on it for us. How about that? Um, so, so I get two votes. I'm saying Florida and South Carolina. Okay, then let's just do South Carolina, Florida, and Rake Forest. We'll I'm good. Those are our three good. teams. We'll have people vote on it, and we will place our future on next Friday on the show live. <laughs> sound good yeah sounds All good right. uh okay so arkansas alabama this weekend three game series friday saturday sunday uh what are the times i know 6 30 on friday robert you know we got we got afternoon games saturday sunday i don't know them off the top of my head okay. i believe it's it's two I believe it's two two yeah two and two okay um sunday will be on real tv by the way yeah, SEC Network. Yeah, yeah. Also, kids get to run the bases after Sunday's game. Christian, what's up with why can't we have an adults run the bases? You run <laughs> that whole you run that whole thing. What's going on with that? Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll forward that up to the uh, the higher ups and see what they say about that. I don't know if they want adults drunk running around on the field after the game. That's tough. But there is a couple of things coming up though. They they are giving away baseball cards on Friday, uh, pint glasses on Saturday. And then the run run the bases on Sunday. So get to the ballpark, get some baseball cards, get a get a pint glass. I actually have one right here from last year. It says like no, if you're not watching, you can't see it, obviously, but it says hog pen on it. So they have some cool stuff coming out. So get to the ballpark. 
uh, Christian, for those who don't know, most of the time, if he's at the game, you're the one who gives the mic to the play ball kid. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do a lot with the on-field stuff pregame. Uh, so national anthem, play ball, first pitch stuff, and then also uh, any games throughout the throughout the course of the Razorbacks baseball game. So any like little inner in-between inning games, stuff like that. Can you admit on this podcast that the dot races is really stupid? <laughs> I love the dot race. Uh, we do need to figure out a way to make it a little more interesting, exciting. We, we're trying to like give each section a dot and then the winning section is gets a prize or like someone in the winning section. So that's kind of how they're trying to do it right now. But yeah, that's probably one that I can, I should probably think of some better ideas for that. Here's, but I, here's but, one for you. Sure. Uh, you know how, in Major League Baseball, you've got, you know, in at, at Nats Park, you've got the racing racing presidents and like in Pittsburgh, they're the pierogies. Why don't we abolish the dot race and let's let's get like Big Red and Suey and Pork Chop and, and Ribby and they can they can run a race. At least it's like an on field thing that's not computer generated, you know? Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, they They have talked about doing something like that. Um, but I don't know when it'll be in, in effect. Um, but I can I can mention it and try to talk to my people. Yeah. You should do that. That would be good. <laughs> um what else was I gonna mention? Oh yeah. Another thing that potentially Christian you could do for us. Uh can you make sure that either they play the national anthem on the organ or it's somebody who is actually good? Oh, no. I the midweek they... national anthem was awesome. There's there. I mean, like, I'd say probably every other <laughs> national anthem is just like secondhand embarrassment bad. It's just awful. Really? Yeah. Really? I national anthem, like there's only been like three good ones all year. I think for, for me, it's really the timing. Like most of them just take too long. Yeah, I think I think they've all been pretty good. Um, But it, it all there's a we have a, a plan and a script that they go through. So like they, they talk about timing with them and they try to like make sure it's not too long or too short um but i i mean i disagree mason i think they've all been pretty good this year well i disagree with you i think <laughs> i think they've been really bad uh, <laughs> uh do they have like an interview process with people for that or what i'm not sure about that uh, i know they have a huge they have a lot of people that, that have done it over the years for football baseball basketball so they kind of use the, a pool of people that they've used in the past every now and then they will get like special you know, guess where it's like a kid or something will sing it. So, uh, and then last thing here, Christian, I just wanted to thank you for your service in in our United States military. Thank I you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um. All right. Well, let's wrap this puppy up. We'll talk to everybody on Monday when we're recapping the Arkansas Alabama series. And until then, talk to you later. And here's an interview with Jace Borfin. Okay, we now welcome on Jace Borfin to the show. He is one of the leading hitters on the Arkansas Razorbacks this year. Jace, thanks for joining me today. Uh, let's just let's just go ahead and talk about your first month of the season. How how uh, how are things going for you, man? You're you're producing quite a bit. Yeah, it's going good. Um, my swing feels really good. Um, my approach to the play has been pretty good. Everything just seems to be working for me right now. Just getting in good hitters counts, um, driving the ball in the gaps, getting on. Uh, creating runs and let my teammates drive me in. So I'm seeing the ball pretty well and just hope to keep it going. So we talked about this a little bit before the season started with you, but, uh, you know, last year, 
obviously probably didn't go the way you wanted it to. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, how, how was it for you uh, mentally and, and how did it change your mindset going into 2023? Yeah, I, I kind of look at last year as pretty much like a, a blessing um, in disguise. Cause obviously like, I know I didn't obviously like perform the way I wanted to last year. Um, but I think that that really helped me as far as maturing as a baseball player on the diamond, as far as just dealing with failure and learning how to fail. Um, and I believe that you have to like really learn how to fail before you have success and just learning from those mistakes and experiences last year uh, and really just taking them to this season and capitalizing on just how to get off to a good start and how not to like uh, get down on yourself when things aren't going your way. So, you know, even even after you don't have the year you wanted, you still got voted a, a team captain by your teammates. What What did that do for your confidence, maybe? Yeah, it definitely helped my confidence a lot. Um, I think that really just kind of speaks to how I handled the whole situation last year. Um, obviously not not being one of the guys that played every day, um, but just ultimately just being a really good teammate in the dugout um, for the guys that were on the team last year. And then obviously with a whole new team coming in this year, it was just kind of cool to see those guys kind of gravitate towards uh, towards me and just the respect that they've shown me. One of, one of the interesting things that I've I've found about you this year is that, you know, you're able to, hit in multiple different spots in the lineup and you know it doesn't really seem to affect you mentally um or at least you know that's that's what the stat sheet would indicate um I'm curious what uh you know what what goes into your mind when you're bouncing around the order I mean lately you've been kind of solidified as the number five guy but uh, is is it more more to it than you know with with the guys hitting in front of you and, and behind you yeah, I don't really think there has to be a, a total different mindset change. Um, if you're hitting in the two hole, if you're hitting the five hole, if you're hitting the seven hole, I think you just kind of got to figure out what you want to do with the plate um, and kind of the situation that presents itself. Um, you know, there's runners in scoring position. You know, you want to drive those runners in. But that doesn't mean you need to hit a home run every single time. Just hit a single, sack fly, just getting the job done and getting those guys in. Um, I think that's the big key for whether it be batting five hole, batting two hole, or batting seven hole. You know, one of the big things that we always talk about in the press box is how many times you get hit by pitch. Uh, I, don't, I don't I don't know the exact number, but I think it got over 10 recently. Um, is that is that something like, you know, I mean, obviously you got to love your your 550 OBP. But I mean, do you feel like you're missing out on that bats at the same time? Uh, there, there are certain times, um, especially when there's runners in scoring position and there's a base open. That's kind of happened like probably three or four times this year where um, – I'll probably get hit by a pitch some some way somehow. Um, and it's kind of frustrating just from an offensive standpoint because you want to drive those runs in and, and get the big hit to you know score those guys. But I also know that you know this lineup's loaded, and you know if I get put on base, you know you're going to face Kendall Diggs or whoever else is behind me, and, and they're going to get the job done. So it does suck sometimes, but I know that like it's pretty much for the better, honestly. Yeah, let's talk about Kendall for a minute. You guys have been teammates for for a couple years now. Uh, I'm curious what you think his his strongest qualities are, maybe as an athlete, maybe, you know, as a friend or teammate, whatever. Um, and, and what kind of security, like you mentioned, does he provide for you hitting behind you? Yeah, Kendall's a great player. Um, I think what sets what separates him from most players is just his, his plate discipline and approach at the plate. Uh, he's always getting into hitters counts. Um, he doesn't strike out much. He's always getting on base, whether it be via walk or just find a hole. Um He's a really good player. Can really hit the baseball, and he's he's pretty good athlete too. I know he might you might not think so, but he really is. He can move well for how big he is and his size. Um, so 
I'm really excited, um, obviously, the re for the rest of this year, but also, like, next year for him. Um, I'm, you know, I'm curious because he's got this knack for for big, you know, walk-off hits or whatever. He had that he had that one last year against uh, Ole Miss to, to win that Saturday game for you guys. Um, I'm curious, when did you think uh, – or when did you know that he could have this much of an impact for your team? I think we kind of all saw last year um, him being a freshman and getting the minimal at-bats, but – the bats that he did get, you know, he came up big, like you're talking about, in some big situations. Um, I think that shows a lot of just maturity um, as a player um, from him being that young and stepping into those positions and handling them like he did. You can kind of see, like, the foreshadowing for him having a good year this year with, like, playing every day in the lineup. And then uh, another another quote that, that the reporters always like to to bounce around the press box is uh, when, when Diggs said that, Caleb Cali was maybe the most pure hitter he's ever seen in his life. Now, Caleb's not a guy who's been getting in the lineup every day, but as as somebody who practices with him and has been for months now, uh, you know, is is there something to that? Yeah, I think that that still rings true. It doesn't matter if he's not producing or not. Um, you know, baseball is a game of failure. You know, you can't go out there and get a hit every single time you're up to bat, and you also can't go four for four every day. Uh, I still think Caleb's one of the most pure hitters I've ever seen. Um, and even in the fall, the fall showed it. I know he hasn't had the season he wanted um, to right now, but I still think that rings true, and he's going to figure it out for sure. He had a, he had that stretch last week in Baton Rouge where he had like two foul balls that were 100 miles an hour, 109, 101, and then he wrote the 110 mile an hour double to the gap. Um, staying on the topic of Baton Rouge for a minute, of course, tough loss for you guys. But uh, have you ever seen a better collection of baseball players than the 2023 LSU Tigers? Man, that's a really good team. Uh, top to bottom, there's really not any holes in their lineup. You know, that one through five is is very dangerous. Uh, and you kind of get past them, and it's like, all right, now they still got some players that can really swing it. Um, so they got a really good lineup. They're going to be a really hard team to beat from here on out. Um, I don't know if they'll lose ever a Friday game ever again with uh, Paul Skeens on the mound. That guy's unbelievable. Um, just the – the amount of depth that team has and just the talent level is just unbelievable um, from a pitching side and from offensive side. Uh, they're going to be obviously the team to beat this year from going on forward from now. Um, and I think they're going to have a, a pretty good year. Just, I mean, they're just going to be really tough to beat because of all that depth and players they have on their team. Yeah. You know, you talk about schemes and, you know, everybody, everybody knows the velocity he can bring, but I mean, is, is, is that just, is that just it for him? Like it, is, is that what makes him so tough to hit? No, I think, like, what, what makes him so good is his command, really. Um, and it's kind of funny you say, it's funny to say that because he throws 100 miles an hour because you would think, like, the velocity is the thing that makes him so good. I think it's really the command, man. He uh, He's throwing 100 miles an hour. That's not easy to control. But when he misses with it, it's, like, right there off the edge of the plate. And so that's, like, very frustrating as a hitter um sometimes because you know he's throwing 100 and he might not hit a spot but it's right around the zone and it's a good pitch you know you sometimes you'll swing at it sometimes you won't and he might get that call um so I think that's kind of what separates him as far as you know being able to throw his off speed for strikes too and throw that fastball pretty much on whatever side of the plate he wants to you you said a minute ago that uh you you don't know if if they'll ever lose on Friday again with him on the mound but you know, obviously, you know, you didn't want to lose a series, but to, to be able to beat him on Friday, how cool was that for you guys? Uh, it was really cool. Um, you know, you face a guy like that, 
you really don't know what to expect really as a hitter because he's had so much success and dominated everyone else that he's faced has has faced. And so uh, I really just got to give credit to our, our coaching staff for our putting together a really good approach against him. Um, just staying with that and just really trusting them. And when you get a guy like that out of, out of the game, you know, you can kind of breathe a little bit, you think, but then they bring in uh, the next pitcher that was throwing a hundred miles an hour as well. So I think when that happened, we were just kind of like, like, dang, these guys are like legit. I mean, it's not an easy, there's no easy at bats going to be this weekend. And so, um, but getting him out of the game and, and just beating a team like that with that dude on the mound on Friday night, that's huge for our team because we know we can probably beat anyone in the nation on Friday night. And it's just really just putting together the whole weekend series for now. So you guys got Alabama coming into town this weekend. I imagine there's got to be some sort of balance in your mindset. Well, it's like, you know, it's not LSU, so we got that going for us. But, you know, it's also an SEC opponent. So, you know, how do you how do you guys get the right – get in the right mind frame for, for this? Yeah, you know, we kind of just kind of forget about LSU. Um, they're a really good team. You know, it's probably going to be the best team we play all year. Uh, but I think we just got to attack it like we've attacked every other weekend, um, going in there, you know, putting up good offensive numbers. Um just really staying with our approach, you know, at the plate, not trying to get too big, just scoring runs. Um, and I know our pitching staff is going to do their job and come along. I mean, we have Hagen and, and Hunter on Friday, and then hopefully um, Hunter can can go the distance a little bit more to give uh, some of our bullpen a little of a break, not having to use Hagen so much so we can use him on another day. Uh, but I know the pitching staff is going to step up this weekend for sure. Um, and, and, you know, it's our job as an offense just to score runs and make it easier on them. Yeah, you mentioned Hagen. Let's talk about him for a second, because uh, you know, like it was, it was kind of a surprise to to us in the media when when we heard that he wasn't going to be starting on Fridays anymore. But at the same time, you know, we we all saw what he did down the stretch in the postseason for you guys last year, Stillwater, Chapel Hill, whatever it was. How, how did you guys in the clubhouse react to that news? Um, I think we were all kind of like shocked, kind of at the beginning, because we we were not sure like what what we were trying to do. But, I mean, we all trust, like, our coaching staff. And, you know, DVH has been doing this for a long time, and he's the best of the best. So, when he made this move, I think we were all right behind it because, you know, we knew what we need to do to win the whole series, trying to win a series. And for a guy like Hagan to, like, step down from the Friday night role and to say, like, hey, like, I'll do whatever we need to do to win, win the series and, and win games for this team, I think that just kind of shows, like, his selflessness as a person and as a, as a teammate. You know, he's always trying to, like, want to win the game he's not trying to think about his stats or trying to you know to only do what he wants to do as far as performance level like he always wants to to help the team and wants to wants us to win so uh shifting topics entirely here uh you may see me looking over to my left here we got uh we got big league baseball on tv today uh major league baseball getting underway i'm curious uh do, do you guys as teammates ever you know, just watch games or you, do you just do so much baseball in your day-to-day -day life that it's kind of like, give me a break? Yeah, we kind of got some of the t the games going on here at the uh, the locker room uh, in the field house today, watching some of the games. Uh, we saw uh, Jordan Walker, who's actually my age, get his first big league knock um, with the Cardinals. So that was cool. And then saw Judge hit his home run first at bat. And then we watched a little bit of the – Orioles uh, Boston game where I think Rutschman went like five for five. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. As as an Oklahoma kid, uh, did did you have a did you like it's kind of a weird market. Did you have a favorite team growing up? Um, not really. I mean, I I always liked the Dodgers just because we've had like their minor league affiliates there in Oklahoma. Um, we have the AAA there in Oklahoma City and the AA in uh, Tulsa. So I've kind of like grown up basically since like middle school. 
to high school was pretty much being a Dodgers fan. So, <laughs> yeah. I got you. Now, this is this is the last thing I have written down here, but it's kind of a story. So sit back and enjoy this one. This is from uh, the, the fall of 2021. Uh, you guys were playing a World Series game against each other. And uh, I was just up on the concourse, you know, keeping a scorebook, writing a story, this, that, and the other, right? And uh, this guy comes up to me and he starts asking me about you. Um, and, and I mean, you were, you were new to the program at that point. So I didn't really have, you know, the whole scouting report on you. Um, but he's like, you got a date of birth on this guy? I was like, no, I'm, I'm learning his name this week. Uh, and, and he starts asking me all these questions about Chase Borf and, and, um, you know, Mason can, uh, can edit this if he wants to, but I'm just going to say it verbatim because it's way cooler. He goes, that guy can fucking play. <laughs> so it's awesome. he he reveals himself to me as chris kemp he's the the padres director of amateur scouting um so i had to talk to him afterward and and you know find out what he what he likes so much about you and he talked about you know you, you rake in the cape um always always love to see what they got going on in arkansas so he was he was very very intrigued uh i'm i'm curious have you have you ever heard from that guy or any other uh, mlb team rep you know since since you got to arkansas um, I mean, I had some meetings this, this, uh, this, this winter, um, right before we left for the break. Um, but I, I've never, I don't think I've ever met that guy to my knowledge. Um, that's really cool though, that they said that. <laughs> I had to, I had to make it one of the subheadings of my story. It was, it was probably the best quote I've ever gotten as a reporter. It was awesome. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. So like I said, I'm out of questions, but at this point, Floor is yours. If you got anything, uh, anything to to tell our listeners, that's all you. Uh, yeah. One thing I want to say is, uh, just keep an eye out for uh, Ben McLaughlin uh, on the mound, or you know, even at the DA spot or first base, wherever he could fit. Um, I think it's. I think it was sick the other day. He got on the mound and and threw great for us. Um, I think that he could probably be a big big part out of the bullpen as well. Um, whether it be this weekend or down the stretch, you know. Having someone step up in, in that role could be could be huge for us. Um, but I would like I mean I wouldn't don't when he comes on the mound, don't be like, Oh, like what are we doing here? Like, nah, he's pretty good. He could he could sling it. Yeah, he and Dave told us the other night that, you know, that that was kind of brewing. Uh did was that was that public information or was that just between them? Um I don't really I don't really know. I mean, he like obviously like said like uh I think it was Monday, he talked to Zach Bard and was like like hey am I gonna throw tomorrow or whatever and he was just like um yeah it's possible we'll see like kind of what what goes on but uh obviously we got a big lead and they were just like all right let's put him out there see what he can do and he was lights out for for one inning <laughs> do uh do midweek games ever get like mundane for you was that like a huge shot of energy for for the for the uh the, the, the dugout there <laughs> yeah it was awesome I mean yeah, like you said, sometimes the midweek games can kind of get lackadaisical um, just because it's not the whole weekend feel, obviously. Um, but, yeah, when when something like that happens, it's pretty special, um, especially like a guy like Ben who we all love. And so when he gets to get on the mound and, and has some success like that, it's, that's always a good thing. All right, there you have it. Chase Borfin, outfielder for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Diamond Hogs podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Chote Mason and at DRStew32.